Hey, well, God bless you, and so great to see you this morning. So glad that you're here, and uh, I'm so excited to share with you a continuing series that we're in, Jesus 2020. Uh, but before I do that, I just wanted to give a big shout out to the students out there on the dock. Hey, great to see you. Everybody wave to the students. We love you. You are at the center of everything happening here. I want to say hi to everybody watching online and worshiping from home. Great to see you. And then to all of you in your cars, hey, wave at me. Give me a big wave. Let me know you're alive. That's it. Awesome to see you. So uh, I'm just trying to find a place here that uh, in between all this equipment and get comfortable. So there we go. So we're in a series called Jesus 2020. And the reason that we're doing this series and that we entitled it that is because I really feel like everybody's focused on the election and we should be. It's historic in its implications. But we're getting our eyes fixated on uh, things other, I think, than Christ. And so I feel it's just a call that we fixate our eyes and the affections of our hearts back upon Jesus. So this series, Jesus 2020, because he alone is the answer. And so there is no one like him. He is the most captivating person that has ever existed in humanity. So this morning we're going to be reading from the most powerful book that has ever been written. And we're going to be in John chapter 13. The title of the message is this, is Jesus Still Washes Feet. And I'm going to challenge us with what that would look like in our own lives. And so John chapter 13, the background is this. Jesus is 24 hours away from his crucifixion. This is the last night of his public ministry, of his earthly ministry. He knows that he's going to go to the cross, and he knows that he will die for the sins of humanity. So if you could imagine, if you were experiencing your last 24 hours, what would you say and what would you do? What is it that you would want to pass along to those that you loved? So Jesus now is in a private room with his disciples. This is his last meal, his last night, his last words, and his last opportunity to be with those that he loves. He's saying goodbye, but he's saying so much more than that. So let's read from John chapter 13 from your smartphones or your Bibles. It says this, Now before the feast of the Passover, Jesus, knowing that his hour had come, the hour that he, that he would die, the, the end of his life, and that he would depart out of this world to the Father. And having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And I want to encourage you this morning that God is a God that loves you to the very end. And so they were celebrating break over, uh, Passover where they would break bread. It was to commemorate the, the God's deliverance of the children of Israel and that when the death angel saw the blood upon the doors of the people, that he would pass over that. And God remembered, or they remembered God in this feast there of God's deliverance of the people. But it says it having loved them to the end. This is how God loves us. God loves us to the, to the end, to the max, to the full, eternally, infinitely, like beyond awesome. And friends, this is what God is like. God loves us infinitely, unreservedly, uh, undeservedly, unconditionally, eternally, like beyond our comprehension, beyond our understanding, beyond anything that we compare. God loves us to the end. And that is who he is, and that is how God rolls. Verse 2 says this. 
It was a time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. So you wonder, like, well, where did this come from? I thought we were going to talk about the Passover and the Jesus time with his disciples and washing their feet. And now here comes Judas. What happened is behind the scenes, and Satan works behind the scenes then and even now. So what happened is he's cultivating in Judas' heart and hatching a plan to betray Jesus. He's been tempting him and prompting him and grooming him. And now Satan is going to enter into the heart of Judas Iscariot to betray Jesus. And I think we need to understand that today still Satan uh, influences and directs people just like he did then. But now Judas, he's been with Jesus for three years. And so he see, the people, uh, Judas has seen miracle after miracle. Judas has seen him teach. Judas has uh, essentially graduated from the University of Jesus Christ. Judas has had every question answered by Jesus himself. Judas has seen Jesus walk on water and raise the dead and heal the lame, heal the leper, open the ears of the deaf. And so no one has had a better seat to see Jesus than Judas Iscariot, up close and personal. And yet, after all of that, after being in such proximity and having a front row seat to who Jesus is, Judas is unmoved and Judas is untouched. Though he had total access to Jesus, he is untouched by Jesus. Which tells me this, that you can go to church, you can go to a great church, you can hear the words of Jesus, feel like you're around Jesus, and be untouched by Jesus. Here's Judas, who essentially, he faked it for three years. Judas was a spiritual faker. And it is possible for people to fake it. And then Judas chose to line his pockets with cash and hit the eject button. And then he would deny Christ. For a few hundred bucks, he would betray Jesus after making this pact with the devil. That is who he is. Moving on to verse 3, it says this. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything. And he had come from God and would return to God. Jesus knew that he was not only a king, but he was the king. Now imagine with me for a moment, if you would. Three years, he's going to face the wrath of God. He's going to go to the cross. He's going to die for the sins of humanity. Don't you think he deserves to have his feet washed? Wouldn't it be fair that the Son of God would get to have his feet washed? But nobody steps up. There he is in the upper room with the disciples, and there's, a, there's a, a basin and water, and one disciple blows by it, another blows by it. They knew the culture. They knew that people's feet needed to be washed. No one got it. No one stoops down to wash Jesus' feet. And so what are the disciples thinking when it says in verse 4, So he got up from the table, took off his robe, and wrapped a towel around his waist and poured water into a basin. So what Jesus did that they didn't do is he seizes the moment. And so the disciples are thinking, oh no, he's not actually going to do it, is he? And a hush overcomes the room, and verse 5 says this, 
And then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that he had around them. And now here is God in the flesh who came down from the throne where he was worshipped by angels. And he enters into the human story. And now God is on his knees, God taking the position of a servant, the lowest servant, relegated to the lowest of the lowest. And there is Jesus Christ washing the feet of the disciples. Now we need to understand a little bit about foot washing because it was a common courtesy in that day, though it's of course not a part of our culture here. But feet in those days when they would live in sandals, they would be cut, they would have scars, they would have grime, they would bleed. And in ancient times, sandals didn't do a whole lot when you had dusty roads and muddy roads and damp roads. And the feet got soiled very quickly. They got impregnated with the parts of the soil in which they were exposed to all day long. Animal dung that traveled the same roads all day long impregnated onto their feet. Smelly, you know, grimy, gross, disgusting feet. Uh, they would have the smell of animals dung upon them. And if you had means in that day, if you had resources, you'd have servants. And the lowest ranking servant then would be called upon to wash feet. So it was a gross, disgusting job. I would compare it to this. I would compare it to cleaning toilets today. About the same thing comparable in our culture. So normally it feeds your feet, at dinner your feet are washed. So, but the disciples are eating their meal with their feet up uh, toward one another, and it's like totally gross. So Jesus then steps in. As all of them overlooked the obvious need here, all of them blew by the water basin and are sitting down, unwilling to serve as the foot washer. Now, all eyes are upon Jesus. And the Son of God, picture this in your mind. The Son of God is scraping the dung and the dirt off the people that he created to worship him. And one who could go no higher now has gone to a place where he could go no lower. It is stunning. It is shocking. It is scandalous what is happening here. This is an extreme act of servanthood and humility. Jesus has climbed down the social ladder as far as you can climb. The job of the lowest ranking slave, something that is absolutely unthinkable when you are a master and a teacher like Jesus. God incarnate is now on his knees. The God who washes feet. So what is going on here? God is revealing himself in the form of a servant. And now Peter is going to protest. He's, he's seeing and feeling all the buzz there. And Peter says this, verse 6, And when Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, he blurts out, Lord, like, are you, are you going to wash? He can see everybody's feet being washed. He knows it's coming around him. And obviously, he's next. He's, but Lord, are you going to wash my feet too? And so it's an obvious question. And what was going on in Peter's mind, it was too much for him. He couldn't handle it. He couldn't take it. He's so stunned. He's so astonished here that he says, I don't think so. I love all the teaching. 
Yes, Jesus, you're my God, but Jesus, this can't be happening. This isn't right. I just need you to cut it out and stop right now and don't even think about washing my feet here. So I don't want you going to that place in my life. Think about it because I think this is a picture of all of our lives where Peter said, I don't want you to see the cracks and I don't want you to see the dirt. And I don't want you to smell the smells that are, that are down there. And in some ways, this is a picture of what a lot of us here this morning are like in your relationship with God. Yeah, I want to go to heaven. Yeah, I like church or I love church and I want to be a Christ follower. And yes, I believe. But Jesus, there are parts of my life that I don't think you really need to see. See, there are parts of my life I don't want you to see. And I don't want to talk about the cracks. And I don't want to talk about the dirt. There's places I don't want you to go. And that is down there on the part of my life that carries the rest of my life. And you will never, ever go there. And that is Peter's posture. Jesus replied in verse 7, and you don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. Peter, you don't get it. Peter, you can't connect the dots. But the day is coming. The Holy Spirit is going to help you when you will understand. Later on, you're going to understand. Later on, you're, you're going to see a, a, a revelation, have an understanding. But Peter protests and says, no. Like just a simple, no, you are not going there. Sorry, Jesus, but not me. So he says, verse 8, no, Peter protested, watch. You will never, ever wash my feet. It literally means never in all of eternity are you, Jesus, going to go there. That will never happen. It's very emphatic. Peter is very passionate. You'll never, ever wash my feet. Let's make that very clear, Jesus. And I think what's going on is something in his heart where it's too much for him. And let me explain. You may remember in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 16, where Peter then encounters Jesus and he's with all his friends and his disciples. And Jesus asks them some questions. And he says, hey, guys, 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 come here. He says, who do the people out there, who do they say that I, that, that I am? They said, yeah, like, they say, like, you're a prophet, like, you're like, you're like John the Baptist, and you're like Elijah, and you're like Jeremiah, and you're like way up there with those guys. And Jesus says, okay, guys, but like, who do you say, who do you say that I am? And they're kind of scratching their hands and kicking the dirt and mouths hanging open, not knowing what to say. Peter says, but you're the Christ the son of the living God. And Jesus says, blessed are you, Simon Peter, for flesh and blood has not shown you this, but my father who is in heaven. In other words, no one could have taught you that, but this is the revelation of almighty God to your heart, and that's how you know who I am. So Peter, this is divine revelation. It is a God moment. And all that to say this, I think Peter got a little bit comfortable with that, of understanding that he's the Christ, the son of the living God. Well, friends, what do you do with that? 
What do you do when you know that he's, that, that he's Jesus Christ, the Son of God there? I mean, the Lord is to be served, right? He's to be served. Well, of course you serve him because that's who he is. And now the script has been flipped. And the one you're supposed to serve, the Son of God, is now wanting to serve you by washing your feet. And Peter's mind is just blowing up over that idea. And he essentially says this. Peter says, I cannot accept a God who is a foot-washing God. I cannot accept him. And Peter is just undone. He says, Lord, I have to serve you. And Lord, what are you doing down there on your knees? And Jesus, of course, has a response. Jesus is going to recalibrate Peter's thinking. And he says this, Peter, unless I wash your feet, you have no part of me. This is so vital, friends. What Jesus is saying to Peter, what he's saying to the disciples, what he's saying to you and me today on September 13th is this. Jesus said, unless you let me wash you, you have no part of me. We have no connection. So allowing Jesus to do the work of cleansing, of spiritual cleansing, of more than physical cleansing, you must come to the place where you let Jesus wash you, is what he's saying. See, and there's a problem with that. Like Peter had a problem with that. No, you're not, you're not going to go there, Lord. And we can have a problem with that. And the problem is that allowing Jesus to wash your feet means this. You have to admit that you need to be washed. And sometimes we don't like that. And the problem is because he's not just washing us with water, is he? He's washing us with his very own blood. Jesus Christ washes us of our sin with his very own blood and cleanses us of our sin. He says, look, if, you, if I don't wash you, and again, he would understand this later. He didn't understand it at this moment here, but he understand later that he had to be washed by the blood of Christ. And for Jesus to accept, for us to accept the washing that he has for us, we have to admit that there is a need to be washed. There is a need to be cleaned. I have to admit I'm a sinner. I have to admit that I need to be cleaned, that I need to be washed. So this is the dynamic that is going on behind the scenes. But there is a great obstacle and hurdle, and that is we have to have the humility to admit that, that Jesus is the one that cleanses us. So we've got to come to the place where Jesus would wash us if we're going to continue with him. Now we could stop and pause for a moment. Because I think sometimes we want to wash ourselves, don't we? I don't know about you, but I can stand here this morning and say that it is inside me that I want to wash myself. And I justify all the time that I can wash myself. And in a world of self-helpism, and I can do it myself-ism, and full of myself-ism, and you are enough-ism. If I have a bad day, I have a bad day, for example, as a father. You know where my mind goes? This is where my mind goes. My mind goes right here. My parents were divorced when I was real young. My dad, I didn't grow up with my dad since I was just a little guy, three, four, five years old. He was gone. 
for the rest of my life until I moved with him later. My dad was gone, so when I screw up as a dad, I think this. Oh, at least I'm better than my dad. At least I am here. At least I'm not gone. And what am I doing? But I'm trying to wash myself. Rather than cry out to God for all of my failures, I'm justified in trying to wash myself. So I think some of us here, even with all the racial tension, I can find myself washing myself, thinking there, there's not, a, there's not a, 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 a racial bone in my body. I grew up with Andy Morgan, who is black, and since I was a little tyke, and I, I, don't, have a, I don't have a racial bone in my body, and I begin to try to wash myself rather than have self-searching questions. If I give a message here, and sometimes I give a message and I'm driving home, and I feel like, dang it, Collins, you kind of, you just, you, you didn't have it today, and I hope you didn't waste their time. I, I feel like I stunk up the ranch a little bit, but I washed myself by saying, yeah, but you know what, Collins, you're better, you're better than some of the other, other pastors out there. Rather than saying, Jesus, would you help me? Oh, we have this tendency to want to wanna wash ourselves. And the question is this. Have you let Jesus wash your feet? Well, here's Peter's response in verse 9. Simon Peter exclaimed, Then wash my hands and my head as well, Lord, not just my feet. And Lord, he's saying, Hey, if I need to sustain a relationship by you that way, then and then I'm all in. I'll take a bath. I'll take the plunge. Just wash all of me. And he still doesn't really totally understand. And Jesus replied, verse 10, A person who is bathed all over does not need a wash except for the feet to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, but not all of you. There was Judas Iscariot who was not clean. And Jesus says to the rest of them, Yeah, you're clean. You're washed, you've been redeemed, you've been given eternal life, you've received forgiveness, and when you come to know me as Savior and Lord, essentially you are washed, you're given a bath there head to toe, not with water but by the blood of Christ. You are literally cleaned, you are literally washed there. Your sins are forgiven at the cross, past, present, and future. But, Jesus said, except... For your feet, there are times where your feet still need to be washed by the Savior walking through a world where there is much residue to accumulate upon you. Uh, we become before a Lord then on a regular basis and say, Lord, um, as I walk through this world and my feet get dirty and I get dirty, would you wash me? Would you wash my dirty feet of pride? Would you wash my dirty feet of selfishness or addiction or fill in the blank here? Would you go and wash what only you can wash? Verse 11, back to Judas. For Jesus knew who would betray him. And this is what he meant when he said, not all of you were clean. After washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? Jesus sets an example and models for them this. He says, do you understand? And no, they did not understand. And I would say that we don't understand really either. And so, or we have just a little bit of understanding to certain measures of understanding. 
And he says, verse 13, you call me teacher and Lord. And you're right because that's what I am. Lord means someone that you would serve, teacher or someone that instructs you and, uh, and helps you and someone that you learn from. And Jesus said, yeah, that's all good, right? Guys, that's all good. It's good that I'm your teacher and Lord. But then he says this, but since then I'm your Lord and teacher. We all agree on that. And I washed your feet. You also ought to wash the feet of one another, each other's feet. And then he says in verse 15, and I have given you an example. Watch what he says. He says, do as I have done. You just saw what I have done, how I was inconvenienced, how I went down to a, 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 a wretched place. I lowered myself, I humbled myself, and I was willing then to willingly serve you. Now you, you take that on the last day of his life. You take that and you do the very same thing. And I think that he's exemplifying lowly service here. And obviously Jesus teaching here and example should shape our attitude and our actions towards serving others. But what it means is that when you do that, it might shock somebody. You're going to have to humble yourself. It will be unpleasant. It will be inconvenient. And what is Jesus' example? He saw a need. He had awareness of the need. But then he just didn't say, oh, look at the great need here in the upper room. Everybody's feet are grimy and stinky. Isn't that terrible? But I'm going to the cross tomorrow, and I don't have time. I've got more important things to do. I'm the Son of God, and I would never think of it to stoop down and wash their feet on the last day of my life. But Jesus sees a need and has an awareness. Watch. It's not enough to have awareness. He takes initiative, and he didn't wait to be asked. See, so many people, we think, oh, I see the need. And we say things like this. We say things like, hey, just let me know if you, have, if you need anything. And we think like we're off the hook. Jesus didn't do that. He didn't say, hey, disciples, just let me know if you need to have your feet washed. He didn't do that. He took initiative and he washed their feet. Do as I do. Don't just go around asking if there's need. Take the initiative and take care of the need. See, we have a, 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 an approach as a church that when we see a need, we don't wait to be invited. Yeah, we pray. Uh, yes, uh, we will we'll give. But then we go. But we will not ever wait to be invited where there's a need. So Jesus said, I'm showing you an example. So the foot washing example it's just a pattern to follow, that pattern. It doesn't mean that we, you know, tomorrow we got to start washing each other's feet. And when Jesus says, watch this, go do the same, in essence, do what I did. But we could never do, actually, in its entirety what he did because Jesus himself humbled himself to those that were not his equals. He who could go no higher went down to a place where he could go no lower to wash their feet. He left the glories of heaven to come to the to stinking earth there. But he was not working among equals. He was not serving equals. When we do as he did, we're just serving equals. We're serving our fellow man here. And so Jesus is washing the feet of the motley crew here of Christ followers. 
And so I want to begin to close with this. It was infinitely below him as the most exalted person in the universe to do what he did. The exalted king now is stooping down to serve his subjects. And he says, cannot you follow my example? So I want to give you two reasons why, in closing, why we should sign up to wash dirty feet. Number one is Jesus did it, and Jesus tells us to wash one another's feet. Will you be ready for the rest of your life as Jesus would give you the opportunity for those foot-washing moments that are really far more than foot-washing moments. Those are defining moments for your life. But not only are they that, they are moments of blessing. John chapter 13, verse 17 says this, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Notice he doesn't say you'll be blessed because you know them. He doesn't say you'll be blessed because you heard Rod talk about it on Sunday. No, you will be blessed if you do them. The blessing then is in the doing. And see, it was not below the Son of God to wash feet. So my friends, should it be below us to wash others' feet? See, Jesus didn't have an attitude that he was too good for dirty feet. And nor should we as his followers have an attitude that we are too good for dirty feet. And so there's a blessing awaiting you that is attached to this command here to wash one another's feet, that you'll be blessed when you do it. And there is something that happens within you almost unexplainable. It is the pleasure of God uh, upon you. It is a joy for such an act. You'll never get your name engraved on a brick. You'll never get your name in the bulletin. You'll never get your name inscribed on a plaque. But will you, what you will get is you will get God's blessing over your life. Friends, don't you want that? I mean, don't you want God's blessing over your life? See, there is a blessing for those that not that just know, but those that do it. And here's what I know. Here's what I know. Anyone here on this campus watching online, anyone in a car or under the tents or at the dock, any one of us can wash dirty feet. There's no spiritual gift of washing dirty feet. It's for all of us to do that. You say, well, how do, how do I wash dirty feet? Well, that's for you to pray about. Perhaps maybe, maybe you run errands for somebody who can't. Maybe you, you clean the kitchen so your wife can read the paper. That was funny, I don't care what you think. Maybe you shop for a senior citizen. Maybe you visit a retirement home and visit those that get no visitors. Maybe you serve students or kids. But you can wash feet this week if you will be a servant. And I want to leave you with this. Here's what I know. Here's what I know. That God's greatest blessing over your life, watch, don't miss this, listen, God's greatest blessing over your life, it lies on the other side of you leveraging the opportunity 
to wash someone's feet. To have the spirit of a servant that models and exemplifies what Jesus did. So let me pray. So Father, thank you for your word this morning. What a wonderful time together this morning uh, around this passage. And Lord, perhaps in our past, maybe we like Peter, we totally didn't get it, the disciples, we totally didn't get it. But we want to ask you to do the cleansing work in each of our lives. And we want to thank you that you, you're a foot-washing God. And there is no one like you. There was no one that could write such a script, a foot-washing God who stoops down to be with us and to cleanse us. And you are the God who washes our feet. So there is nothing that we cannot do in washing others' feet to honor your name and follow your example. In Jesus' name, I pray you'd make this real for all of us and its implications for the rest of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.